All right, we are rolling now. Counting us down. Three, two. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hello there, Misketeers, and welcome back to Missing Out. I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael. And if this is your first time listening, what we do here is we introduce each other to different media, whether it be movies, music, television, spoken word, books, experiences, things that have built us up as people, and we hope that in sharing it, it builds you up. We are the retrospective that is introspective. Podcasting live from the grassy knoll, back and to the left, you fucks. Oh yeah. Oh man, too bad I'm I'm recording from the book shop. Oh uh, yeah, who 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 did it? Oh, maybe there's another person recording from somewhere else. You'll never know. Anyways, so today we're talking about the 1991 political thriller docudrama by Oliver Stone, JFK. This has a star-studded cast. You you want to know who's in it? Kevin Costner. Kevin Bacon makes an appearance. Tommy Lee Jones is in there. Laurie Metcalf. Gary Oldman. Michael Rooker. J.O. Sanders. Sissy Spacek. Oh, who else? <laughs> I was I was waiting to see if you made it to Joe Pesci before injuring your vocal cords. <laughs> um, no, no, uh, Donald Sutherland, Joe Pesci, <laughs> John Candy. <laughs> Anyways, it has a lot of people in it. So, um, uh, also Wayne Knight because I I have to make sure that he gets his credit. Of course. This movie is part of our July, July's month theme in which we talk about fictional retellings of true events. This one was brought in by none other than our great friend, Lex Michael. It's me. That's that's my name. Yes. Lex. Oh my gosh. Why did you bring this to me? Well, so when we were discussing uh, what the premise was going to be for this month regarding the theme, when we talked about how it was going to be a, a month-long look at uh, fictionalized versions of real events, as you so succinctly put it, uh, immediately uh, I thought of this movie because uh, for me, Oliver Stone's JFK is sort of the apex. It's sort of the the, the peak of that particular mountain. It's sort of the ultimate uh, fictionalized telling of true events insofar as uh, Oliver Stone himself has gone on record as saying that he intended the movie to be not uh, a conclusive definitive solving of uh, the case, uh, an unraveling of the conspiracy. He's not necessarily presenting us with the complete and total truth, but he, as he put it, was presenting his audience with a counter myth to counter what he saw as the myth of the uh, Warren Commission report following the assassination of President Kennedy. And because this is sort of the, we'll talk a little bit more about it, but the sort of turning point, I believe, in American history, and because to this day, it is so clouded in uncertainty, uh, so many competing theories, little like cottage religion, I was going to say like cottage industry, but like a little cottage religion has sprung up around the various conspiracy theories surrounding this assassination. Um, to me, it felt uh, it felt perfect. And and like you say, like Oliver Stone presents it in a very sort of docudrama sort of way. So I guess in a way you could sort of call this part of my pitch as well. Um, the movie is three hours long in its shorter version. I think you watched the theatrical. I revisited the three and a half hour director's cut. And the movie is all, it's almost just as much a, a history lesson or like a, like a book report uh, as a movie. And so I guess your mileage may vary as far as how gripping you found the thing. Um, I think part of it, too, would depend on your level of investment in this time and place in history and your level of interest in the assassination of Kennedy and the conspiracy theories surrounding it. But that is something that I, I think right up top 
wanted to talk to you about, Tari J. Um, I wanted to get a little bit of an idea just to sort of ground myself in your, uh, A, your level of knowledge regarding the Kennedy assassination going into this movie, and B, uh, your, your general level of interest compared to your level of knowledge. And then I guess C, although arguably this is the least important of the three questions, uh, what'd you think of the movie? Ah, I see. Well... I will answer your questions in order, even though I don't remember them all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. First first question is coming into this, what was your level of knowledge about Kennedy and the assassination? Yes. My level of knowledge was, I would say, not minimal. Like, I knew the broad strokes that you might learn in history class, um, where it is like just one of the, the topics you're learning. So I had known that Kennedy was assassinated. I knew there were a number of conspiracy theories related to it. I knew that uh, it had been pinned on a man named Oswald. And I knew that Kennedy himself had tried to further the civil rights movement and it was killed partially because of that. So those were like the broad strokes. Okay. I had never really, like, I've seen people talk about the conspiracy theories around it, and I've seen a lot of references to it in media, and especially in a lot of sci-fi, because there is no definitive answer. It's really fun for sci-fi writers to make it so that like one of their characters is actually who did it. Whoa. Um, so you get that in, I think it's days of future past. Uh, X-Men has a reference to that. Oh, that's right. Yes. Which something we'll talk about the reason that they're able to tie it to X-Men. That's right. I'm glad you reminded me of that is because part of the, the story of the Kennedy assassination and part of why people to this day continue to question the official record is because the bullet in the, in the, scenario where Oswald acted completely alone, the bullet he fired would have had to take such a trajectory that it it sort of strains credulity to such a degree that it's come to be referred to as the magic bullet. And so, yes, you could graft X-Men uh, onto that. And in the X-Men universe, that bullet is able to do what it does because Magneto wills it so. Right. And it's also referenced in the show Umbrella Academy. There are a couple other that I forgot where, like, basically a character that you know is the one that's on the grassy knoll. And you're like, oh, it was that character. So I know it tangentially through that. I also recently realized that there's a scene in Seinfeld in which they essentially re- enact the the <laughs> climax of this movie but it's about uh, Kramer and Newman being spat upon that's right so like it's it's all over the place i went in with that amount of knowledge and uh, kind of buckled in for this to give me a deluge of information and it, it did that in addition to trying to paint the broader context for the reason, the like the why uh, Kennedy may have been assassinated and to, as you were saying, like disprove the idea of this lone gunman theory. And so I, I thought the movie was really well done in terms of how it was shot. A lot of the acting was really well done. It felt like they went to a bunch of different, very famous actors and were like, yo, do you want to do a day of work, uh, memorize this monologue, and uh, come in on Thursday? And that's what a lot of the actors did. Like, <laughs> And so you get a bunch of like, this really big star-studded film, but it's like a lot of people are there in passing, and you're really kind of sticking with this core group. Right. I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed what it was going for. It's very long. So strap in, baby, because it's three hours long, and most of the scenes are very much someone, if not directly talking into camera, sometimes they just look just left of camera and are like, here's 16 minutes of information. Yes. Um, so baby, strap in. But I thought it was really interestingly delivered, and everyone is really trying to make sure that it is consumable as possible. So I, uh, I give it lots of credit for that. Yeah, I think it's a really great way to immerse yourself in the facts surrounding uh, the JFK assassination. And then, yes, you also get 
uh, you also get quite a bit that is intentionally fictionalized. We can talk in greater detail about certain aspects of the movie, I guess, when we jump to the other side of our spoiler wall. Although, of course, this is all based on actual history, so it's a little difficult to spoil in earnest. But of course, if you don't know the story of the movie, the movie essentially follows uh, New Orleans District Attorney Jim Garrison, who was the only prosecutor to bring a trial in the entirety of the investigation into the assassination. He's the only one who brought anybody to trial. And it was uh, Clay Shaw, aka Clay Bertrand. And something, um, as you see in this movie, something that is accurate is that uh, this guy, that's the Tommy Lee Jones character, but also Dave Ferry, who's the uh, Joe Pesci character, as well as like Guy Bannister, who was the, uh, the Ed Asner character, I believe, and Oswald. They all did know each other. Like there were connections between those guys and connections between those guys and the CIA. How tight those connections were, how concrete those connections were, and the degree to which Oswald maybe was present at certain uh, events, certain meetings. Some of that stuff, Oliver Stone is open about having fabricated. But the rest of it, as far as who these people were, what their interests were, what their what their roles were in this narrative, like all of that stuff is very true to life. Like I do think that this is, yes, a piece of entertainment. And yes, it is still to an extent fictionalized. But I also think this movie works pretty, pretty well as just a, a sort of, okay, I'll put it this way. If you love the part in a documentary where they do the dramatic reenactment, you'll love this movie because this is three to three and a half hours of that. It's essentially like every fictionalized element is, well, let's just dramatize the facts of the thing. And it's it, they do a really impressive job uh, as far as their recreations. I have the, the Blu-ray and there's a documentary on it and you see how they were restaging the assassination in Dealey Plaza and the, the degree of authenticity that they were able to pinned down, which I think is really impressive. But my point ultimately is that yes, while there are fictionalized elements, there are elements that are pulled strictly from the imagination of the writers. I think this this movie, my maybe my favorite thing about it is that for all of its talkiness, for all of its girth and its width and its length, <laughs> ha, 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 I do think there's a lot of value in this as far as getting you A, sort of caught up, B, familiarized, and also C, really getting you to to think more, not just about who Kennedy may have been himself, but about this time in history and about what this assassination meant, because this was not the first time that an American president had been assassinated. But I do, right. I do think this happened at a crucial, a truly, truly pivotal point in the history of this country. Right now, I think we will drop down the spoiler wall, let everyone know where they can find it. It's on Amazon. It's on Google Play Store. You can rent it on, on multiple platforms. Uh, I watched it on Amazon, which has the x-ray, which kind of lets you see trivia and, and who's in what scene as it goes along. We will come back with, you know, what's the difference? We were, we were talking about the context in which all of this stuff takes place, and we will give more information about our conspiracies right after this break we are back so i feel like uh, as you were kind of alluding to before this is basically for the most part history so like the the like buster recap could probably be as short as just like they they got him <laughs> <laughs> but uh, essentially, I, I'll, I'll do I'll do a real quick rundown, which is Jim Garrison sees the assassination, doesn't believe it, but he waits three years because he's like, ah, oh, man, it's a tragedy. But oh, boy, what can you do? And then the Warren report comes out and he's like this fucking bullshit. And so he uh, continues to research it and he starts to dig deeper and deeper goes down the rabbit hole and as he gets closer and closer to sources and answers and connections uh he starts being discredited and he is starting to lose his family unit 
and then the further he he as he keeps going a bunch of people keep mysteriously dying and then uh he sees dr king get killed then robert kennedy gets killed and he's like i can't take it anymore justice must be served and so he um goes after clay shaw and he's like i'm gonna he, he's connected and i'm gonna take him to court because everyone will know that this wasn't just a lone gunman oswald was a patsy and so then he builds his case and then the the media the government everyone's like you're you retire you 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 piece of shit how dare you and he's like i'm gonna do this no matter what and he he takes him to trial he reenacts the the magic bullet he reenacts how the the trajectory of the bullets from the street are he gives a, a giant uh, monologue and everyone's like fuck yeah except for the jury who's like hey it, w- it may have been a conspiracy but shine got nothing to do with it and he's like i'm gonna keep fighting i'm gonna keep doing this forever and so he keeps working he, he, he like keeps trying to do these things and he uh, unlocks little bits of information as time goes on and he you know keeps fighting the good fight and then later in uh in 1992 uh, after a young man named Oliver Stone creates a movie about his life, the courts decide to uh, release a bunch of information about the assassination because of the work that Garrison did and also the work that uh, Oliver Stone did. Consider that recap busted. Pew, 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 pew. They got him. They got him. But that done, we can now do what i think lex has been waiting for lex has been just he's been clamoring from the moment we got on here he's like how how, when can we talk about what's the difference (laughs) so anyway oh oh, (laughs) i liked it i just wanted to soak in that for a second i get it but yeah so you had started talking about some of the differences in terms of like the the fictionalization some of like some of it was actual connections between the different people but some of it had to be essentially uh oliver stone filling in some of the gaps it's like how when you're doing a a a research paper or dissertation you gather up all the information and then you filling in those gaps is what becomes your thesis and so everything that isn't directly referencing like a tangible piece of evidence is conjecture that uh, Oliver Stone was able to piece together. So I think one of the big starting points would be this character uh, known as X. Yes, so X, in part, X is an amalgamation of different people, but uh, he is based most closely on on an actual guy. But, but X, as depicted in the movie, is sort of like, He's sort of covert intelligence wrapped in a trench coat and hat who basically walks Garrison through the version of events that uh, Oliver Stone's movie lays out as if if not most plausible, then then really like here's what happens. The movie ultimately comes down on the side of uh, or would seem to assert that Kennedy was killed as part of uh, essentially a CIA coup and that Clay Shaw and David Ferry and Oswald, uh, these guys were all tangentially connected to the CIA and they were all involved in this conspiracy. Um, And some of that in terms of what's the difference between uh, what we know of reality and what's depicted in the movie, as uh, I alluded to before we took a break, um, obviously the degree to which these guys were connected, uh, some of that is fabricated. Oswald is depicted as having been at some of their super secret shady militant communist meetings, which we don't necessarily have any reason to assume he was present for these meetings in real life. But ultimately the biggest, big big finger quotes on uh, around what's the difference is really just that this movie comes to a conclusion, you know, and we don't, we don't have um, information that is anywhere near that conclusive in real life. Now, I am far from an expert uh, on the JFK assassination. There are people who have essentially built their entire lives around trying to unravel the conspiracy. Um, But I have read 
quite a bit about it. And it seems to me that even if it wasn't these guys, um, even if these guys had nothing to do with it, we do know for sure that Clay Shaw was connected to the CIA. And we know for sure that the CIA had plenty of reason to be grumpy at Kennedy. Um, Do I think that this is and I want to ask you what you think, but uh, do I think that this is absolutely what happened? No, if only because if Oliver Stone nailed it in one, he probably would have gotten some calls about maybe don't release this movie. But I do think that it's about, it's about as plausible as a number of the other possibilities. And certainly more plausible than the idea that Oswald was just one crazy guy acting completely by himself. Like you brought up the character of X and something that they introduce uh, through that character is this idea that honestly, who killed Kennedy and, and what, like the, the, how it was done are essentially scenery. It's not all that important. What's important is why he was killed and the, why he was killed will ultimately uh, presumably shed light on, the who and who was involved. And so the CIA angle makes a certain amount of sense to me, but, but okay, before proceeding any further, Tari J having watched the movie, do you find the, the thesis of the movie plausible as far as like, do you find Garrison's version of this conspiracy, Oliver Stone's version of this conspiracy plausible? Like, do you buy into the idea, uh, given the evidence, the way they lay it out in, just in the movie, do you buy into the idea that this absolutely could have been just one guy acting completely by himself making those shots? Does that seem plausible to you? <laughs> I don't find it plausible that it was just one person based on the the thesis that was presented i definitely feel like if it were if someone were to try to assassinate him in the way that he was assassinated it would have taken more than one person and the idea that like this one guy was able to as they said like shoot off three uh shots in a row from a bunch of different trajectories in a matter of six seconds i don't think is possible in terms of like the who, um, yes, I mean, I think that Kennedy had a lot of different enemies. He was a lot more progressive than people were ready to deal with. He was a uh, he was a uh, more of a dove than people really wanted in their president at the time. Um, so like, it definitely could have been any of his political rivals. It could have been um, yes, the CIA who like maybe he was. There was something going on in the background and they're like, this won't stand. They could have also just been like a bunch of people who were like, this dude let black people do things. Ah, He likes black people. (laughs) Um, And they killed him. Like this was a a very prime time for, you know, assassinating people involved with civil rights. And so like there's a, a part of that. And but, you know, but also people, as they talked about in the movie, like, we're not a fan of the Bay of Pigs, which, you know, could also have led certain people to be unhappy and think that he needed to go. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And some of that could have uh, certainly informed Oswald's point of view, like uh, assuming that Oswald was at least involved, right? Like we know he was involved in some way. Plenty of that. His uh, it could be his opposition to civil rights. It could be his stance on Cuba. Now, it's, it's interesting how, uh, depending on who you ask, it almost sounds at times like there were two different Oswalds. One of them was uh, vehemently pro-Castro and one of them uh, less so. And I think no matter which way you slice it, I do think, assuming that it wasn't just a lone nut acting by himself, for his own personal uh, crazy person reasons, I do think it's reasonable to suspect that Kennedy's stance on Cuba and the way he wanted to handle the sort of uh, escalating tensions with Cuba certainly played a factor, as well as uh, how he wanted to handle the Vietnam War, which I want to I want to hold off on that till we get to our, our little context section. But um, like you say, and and like I was saying, it doesn't seem entirely plausible that Oswald could have acted alone, if only because of the mechanics of getting those shots off the time frame in which he got the shots off. It, it's, it seems far too fast. I mean, expert marksmen have been trying to replicate it for years and years and years and years and years. Nobody, the best shots in the military can't 
do it. Uh, on top of which, it was a cheap rifle with like a cheap sight. I think the sight was was busted. There's the documentary that's on the JFK disc. Um, they talked to uh, this guy's name's Larry Howard. He's with the JFK Assassination Info Center, and he was talking about how they have a replica of the rifle, the carbine model that Oswald was using. Yeah. And he said the Ita- the Italians refer to this model as, quote, the humane weapon because it can't hit anything. <laughs> so is it possible for Oswald to have gotten that shot off and for a bullet to do what the so-called magic bullet does in this scenario? Um uh, it's unlikely, but look, I, I will, in the interest of fairness, uh, I'm reminded of, I just saw it again on Twitter. I see it on social media every so often, uh, this photo. It's in a museum, and it's these two bullets, and I want to say it was like a battle at Gallipoli in 1915 or something like that, but two bullets struck each other in the air after being fired, and that the, the odds of that happening are so absurdly small. You would say that couldn't possibly happen, the odds are that small, but look, it happened. So in the interest of fairness, I will concede that there is a non-zero chance of that happening technically. On the other hand, the chances are so very small and the the reasons to suspect alternatives so compelling that, yes, I have a very difficult time buying into the idea that this dude just did this all by himself. Right. Can I also say that, like, if it was one, like, crazed lone gun person, I I feel like it it would have been easy enough for them to just find a spot on the trail because like there was a motorcade but someone literally could have just run up to the car and capped him a couple times like i i find it hard to believe that that a lone gunman would plan out such a rich covert black ops type uh mission it's like when Ferdinand was killed in, in World War One. You just like run up and you're like, oh, cool. You're the one I want to kill. And you shoot him in the face. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. And if you if you look at Oswald's background, too, if you look at his training, if you look at the experience he has, he's not just some schmo. You know what I mean? Like the dude's background is such that, well, <laughs> okay, maybe maybe we talk a little bit about the broader context, I suppose, because of that, I think, I feel like we, where we are now leads us directly into uh, some of the context stuff that I want to talk about, because it's what I find the most compelling about this story. And now we can come back to, uh, before the break, I was about to go off into the weeds, and I'm, I'm going now. So here, take my hand, oh. uh, close your eyes, okay. uh, feel, uh, hold out your other hand, and you can feel the grass sort of go go through your fingertips and stuff. Now, now we're out in the weeds. It's nice and sunny. Here, have a seat. Okay. So I think a lot about this time in American history, and the reason I think a lot about it is because, well, um, uh, look at where we are now. Things aren't great. We have been on this path. These things don't happen in a vacuum. Uh, We've been on this path for a very long time. And in my opinion, this flashpoint in American history, this period when uh, Kennedy was killed, I think is where history forked. And it's not just Kennedy. If You you have uh, John Kennedy is killed, you have Robert Kennedy is killed, and you have uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., all killed in a relatively short amount of time. And all three of them, leaders that that a, really connected with people, really truly meant something to people, but also really had a shot at motivating real uh, societal change, um, social change, political change, and that made them a threat to the establishment. And this is something that the movie really does dig into. Those three guys wiped out. I think had that not happened, we would be living in a very, very different country and by extension, I think a very different world today. Now, these guys, big threats to the establishment. That also means that they are going to piss off a lot of lone wackos. So, okay, fine. We cannot totally rule out lone lone wackos just because they upset the establishment. But then you look at who benefits immediately from it. You know what I mean? Like maybe the CIA killed Kennedy and maybe they didn't. I don't know. Maybe the military industrial complex killed Kennedy. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. But if we're talking about the military industrial complex in particular, we do know for sure that Kennedy wanted to uh, basically ramp down American involvement in Vietnam. And the military-industrial complex uh, didn't like that idea. They really, like they like they do, really were eager to get into Vietnam and, and blow shit up and, and fire bullets and stuff like that. 
So he essentially wanted to take him the other way. Um, he, he uh, if I recall correctly, he rejected Operation Northwoods, which was essentially a, a plans for false flag attacks to gain approval for the war uh, in Cuba. So he was going to basically get us out of there. He gets killed. And the very next year, they staged the Gulf of Tonkin incident, which was essentially, it was the Gulf of Tonkin, short version, false flag event that led to us escalating our involvement in Vietnam. So the very next year, they're like, cool, we got that dude out of the way. Awesome. Vietnam War. Fuck yeah. Devil horns and shit like that. So did they did they kill him? I can't say for sure that they did, but we know that they were ready and excited to step in as soon as he was gone and do exactly what they wanted to do the entire time, that he was the direct and biggest obstacle to. So that's one example. Okay. There's a lot There's a lot of that. It's uh, not totally dissimilar to a lot of people in the wake of September 11th were trying to connect dots that maybe weren't necessarily there to connect. Uh, there was this big conspiracy theory for a long time that it was in some way an inside job. Well, I'm not going to argue for that, but it, it's very clear that there were people after it happened that were perfectly willing, and some of these same military industrial complex folks were perfectly willing to use that as a pretext to step in and get what they wanted in the first place. Right. So my point is they do have cause and they they have the ability, um, something the movie talks about and something that hasn't gone away since the 60s is that there are essentially cells within the CIA that essentially operate independent of any oversight whatsoever. They operate essentially outside the strictures of the government. And by extension, they operate completely outside of the law. They essentially run themselves. They, right. they are loyal essentially to their organization above and beyond any nation or any government. That is also uh, not ideal. But so there are, there are a lot of folks that maybe had a pretty significant bone to pick with Kennedy. Can I say for sure that I think any one of them uh, absolutely incontrovertibly pulled the trigger? No, but I do think there's enough there that we can rule out the idea that Oswald did this completely by himself in a vacuum. And so before we got on, we were talking a little bit about conspiracy theory culture and how a lot of that kind of started to boom after the Kennedy assassination. Like, you know, conspiracy yes. theory has been around a lot. Like, it's been around for a long time. You know, they're Masons and Illuminati, etc. And we're specifically talking about conspiracy in terms of a plot by multiple people to enact a thing, not like there is a shadow man using his puppet strings to make everything happen but like you know cons conspiracy i just wanted to clarify that to be like i don't i don't think that there is one group or person who is like directing the flow of human history um you're not a you're not a deep state truther i'm not i always am in like i'm not a big conspiracy theory person but like i understand how one would feel drawn to it. You know, it, it presents, um, in, in general terms, conspiracy theories present simple answers to complicated questions. Yes. And also, it doesn't help that if you were to go through a bunch of like declassified documents or things that have been leaked, you'll, you'll see that our government and other governments have done and have attempted to do a lot of dumb, silly shit. Like, there's a moment in this movie where Joe Pesci's character is talking about a plot or an idea to have Castro's beard fall off to make him look <laughs> silly. And that was an actual thing that the CIA attempted and failed to do. So, like, yep. when, you, when you talk about conspiracy theories, those kind of things where it feels like they're just fucking blue skying a bunch of dumb shit can feed into your idea of like, well, if they did this thing, then why wouldn't they do this other thing? Right. Which I totally can see how all of those things feed into one another. This specifically also, I think over time has shown that there was, in fact, I'm saying, in fact, there was a, a conspiracy to 
take out JFK. Who did it? How did how they did it? What their motivations were? Still unknown, but like there is definitively based on the evidence presented a conspiracy to kill John F. Kennedy. Right. And so that revelation and those pieces of information that have been released over the course of the last 30, 40 years only feed these ideas that like, oh man, if that was a conspiracy, what else was a conspiracy? And like some of these things you'll never actually know the answer to, which I think also feeds into that culture. And as you were saying, it's a, it's a way to apply answers where there are none. In that way, I think conspiracy theories sort of appeal to the same part of people's brains that religion often does, which is to say, I think one of the bigger reasons religion is is and has always been a great comfort to people is that the idea that this world is and this universe is random and chaotic and it doesn't care and there's no order to anything and when you die, you're just dead forever, et cetera, et cetera. It's if you really just sit and soak in that, um, it can be very upsetting. And so it's a way to basically force order upon a chaotic universe. And by the same token, I think uh, conspiracy theories have only become more and more and more popular, have in fact become a religion of sorts for a lot of people, I think has to do with exactly that. It's it's trying to impose order upon a completely chaotic and uncaring universe. Now, I do think there is a lot that we don't know. I mean, a case in point, we still to this day do not know with absolute certainty who pulled the trigger on Kennedy. Someone knows. That's for sure. Someone does know. And the idea that we could figure it out, there's something empowering about that, about being able to answer this giant unanswerable question, especially one that is so pivotal as far as where our country was at the time and where it's gone since but the problem is that without a certain amount of access and every time they say we're we're releasing more documents uh finally unsealed uh jfk documents about the assassination shit's all still redacted six ways to sunday it's not surprising that this whole sort of way of life this whole movement sprung up around the assassination as far as people essentially becoming like homegrown experts themselves people becoming collectors people writing book after book after book there's a clip in the documentary that's on the the blu-ray for JFK where you've got uh, a lawmaker who essentially is uh, at a podium at a seminar for people who are uh, assassination aficionados or assassination theorists. And it it looks very much like it's, it's almost indistinguishable from a pastor giving a sermon. Um, and I think you can trace this directly to where we are now as far as uh, our really, truly unfortunate relationship with conspiracy theories uh, and those who would peddle them in this country, where it really does feel like uh, roughly half of the people who live here uh, have bought hook, line, and sinker into a web of easily disprovable conspiracy theories. But I think that is in large part because it's just easier to to rail against the deep state or say, you know, uh, they're they're running a pedophile ring in the pizza parlor or whatever it is than to sit back and go, oh, like things things are are bad and arguably out of control. So there's that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think that like, especially with the way that we consume stories, like we have the this idea of like the monomyth and and every epic has a a bad guy in the background that is like aha you're at the whims of my machinations and i think that like because that is the narrative that we consume on a regular basis there always has to be a a big bad that is easily defeatable uh, or not easily defeatable but like that is defeatable and everything goes back to quote unquote normal or becomes better from that point it makes us conditioned to effectively want that to be the solution to our problems. It's, it makes it it makes us conditioned to believe that, like, yes, once we I don't know get rid of insert politician, then things will be the way that I want them to be. Because the idea that change is slow and it is grueling and it takes time and hard work mm-hmm. isn't as 
clean of a of a narrative and and we being a species that like is all about narrative like our history was passed down orally we we consume history through stories we uh you know like this movie may be someone's first experience with the idea of a of a JFK assassination plot like this is how we learn about our own history is through these narratives and you know traditionally a a three act structure dictates that from beginning to end we have to defeat a person or group and instead of like a concept it's harder to defeat racism for example because it is a an insidious thing that exists in so many different forms and is so interwoven with history that like it requires a lot of nuance as opposed to like uh oh man this one racist guy is making all these other people racist so we must defeat that racist guy and then the racism will stop it's easier for us as a species to comprehend the the conspiracy ideas as opposed to having to really kind of sit down and, and face the harder aspects or the nuances of what the issues really are. Yes, and I'm I'm really glad that you highlighted the the reality that real lasting permanent change takes a lot of work and a lot of involvement and a lot of sustained focus from people. And I think maybe the most tragic aspect of our cultural relationship with conspiracy theories as it has continued to evolve is that in large part, it absolves people of the responsibility to do that work. Um, if there is a quote unquote deep state running everything, uh, ultimately it's sort of, it becomes a bit of a deterministic worldview that oh very, essentially nothing that we do individually matters because there are invisible puppet masters pulling the strings etc 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 now you don't feel like it is incumbent upon you to do that work and so things continue to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse uh yeah <laughs> hello <laughs> welcome to <laughs> 2020 so speaking of that we were talking about this idea in the movie which is this trust of institutions, this idea mm -hmm. that throughout the movie you're watching these people who are coming to terms with the idea that there are these connections that exist between, you know, the CIA, the FBI, and people who were against JFK. And they keep really butting heads with this idea that, like, the institutions that we've created aren't capable or wouldn't do these terrible things and that's something that as you were saying like we're, we also wrestle with nowadays so and another example of that in modern context would be our relationship with the police it's this idea that this institution that is there to serve and protect us is not capable or would not do these horrible things and if they do it is just uh, a quote-unquote few bad apples and it's not the institution itself right but that, again, if you look back at the history of our government organizations, they are more than willing to do uh, horrible things for small or big reasons. But it's hard to come to terms with the perception of this institution and the reality of what it actually does. Yes, and the reality of who it does or does not serve. We keep talking about, and they talk about it quite a bit in the movie, the military-industrial complex. It, it opens with that famous address from Eisenhower, where as he was leaving office, he essentially said, beware of that shit. Um, because if it accrues the kind of power that it looked like it was going to accrue, ultimately, you do have something that is not hate that I'm saying this, that is not too far removed from what uh, 4chan lunatics refer to as the deep state, as far as it is this essentially this self-governing, all-powerful body whose authority essentially, uh, for all intents and purposes, supersedes that of the highest office in the land. They essentially answer to nobody and could, theoretically, at least if you follow the narrative of the movie and pull on those threads, could topple 
uh, a world power quietly behind the scenes from within so that they can pursue the agendas that they wanted to pursue in the first place. And we talk about, or I was talking about how I see the assassination of Kennedy and I, th- that whole string of high profile assassinations as a massive turning point in our country's history. And I, I think one of the sort of indicators of that is that post Kennedy, did we ever have uh, an anti, a truly anti-war president again? Like we, well, Carter, Carter was okay, but everybody else <laughs> spoke to uh, the idea of peace and stability and order. While meanwhile, funneling resources, both fiscal and human, into a war machine that has not. Not only is it not slowed down since Kennedy was killed, since Vietnam, but in fact has only accelerated uh, further and further and further and in more and more extreme fashions. I think that's worth noting. I mean, I agree. Like, I think you had brought up 9-11 earlier. And, you know, that I think was a very big example of how something that was about a specific event was turned into a decades long war about quote unquote umbrella term, the war on terror. Right. And it is essentially out of the hands of the governing bodies. Like since it started, like Obama had promised to, you know, bring our troops home, etc. And like, I love the guy, but he enhanced the war on terror big quotes by a large amount Mm -hmm. um so like you know again love the guy he's good dude uh overall but like he was no dove like he was all about that war life and even now with our, our current president who is very much about combat and very much about war and has no real sense of strategy the quote-unquote war on terror continues and so we we see in action how events can be spun to favor specific groups if you if you know anything about america you know that we're big fans of being the quote-unquote benevolent protector Uh. but mostly it's about you know achieving the means that we want so like if you remember, you know, 2011, our, our help in, you know, uh, Lebanon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, nailed it. Uh, you know, like we, we meaning America, have had a tendency to try to impose our will on others, other places that we deem don't fit our, uh, our belief systems and like yes sometimes the the target of that is actually doing very horrible things but like what we're doing there isn't necessarily helping or like <laughs> and I, like I'm, I'm trying not to be super like i'm trying not to get outside of my depth but like yes we have a history of toppling regimes without providing the necessary infrastructure and i think that that shows how much our our military guides our actions as opposed to our leaders or our leaders become complicit in the furthering of the war agenda which uh is rough yes it has been yes it's been decades there, since there hasn't been a war going on while i am alive mm-hmm. and and i do think it's worth noting that a lot of the people who are still running the war machine all over the world a lot of these same people were running the war machine in in vietnam as well and a lot of these people even if they had no hand in the assassination of john kennedy uh well him being taken off the board the way he was must have been like uh, like christmas and their birthday uh, all rolled into one times 50 i would imagine they they got what they wanted and that set us on a path that i believe we are still on now obviously i can't peer into the multiverse like like doctor strange and see all of the like 14,605 alternate possibilities but I don't think it's 
outside the realm of possibility. I don't think it's too far-fetched to suggest that if Kennedy had not been killed, I think uh, he might have, might have been able to come to some kind of agreement with Castro, which I know like Castro in interviews has talked about leading up to Kennedy's death. They were planning to meet and talk stuff out. Um, I do not think uh, our involvement in Vietnam would have been what it is. And so I don't think that machine would have been able to accrue so much power the way that they did. And so I would guess, though, of course, we can't prove it because I cannot see this timeline. I would guess we would be in a very different place today if we had not lost uh, John Kennedy. And I think entirely possible that there really is no connection personnel wise between these assassinations. But you got to think once once you are able to assassinate a president um, because you don't like their agenda, I would imagine it's it's small potatoes to assassinate Robert Kennedy or uh, right. Dr. King, you know, so yeah. Can't can't see into the multiverse, but my guess is my guess is we would have a very different country today. And it it oh man, it it breaks my heart a little bit to think about because a lot of things have happened, some very recently that just did not need to happen. And I wish we lived in that <laughs> timeline instead. I mean, I guess yes. is my point. I think that the the life of someone who is hyper progressive and trying to make lasting change comes with its own amount of risks. Like, you know, not just Kennedy, but like when Lincoln was killed, uh, you know, that halted reconstruction, like, and all these things like, so, so <laughs> not, not to dissuade people from fighting for what's right, but like, <laughs> you know, watch out. No, not watch out, but like, you know, real progress comes with a cost. And and that's why it's so difficult is because people have such a resistance to change. They have such a resistance to uh, forward progression because if they're living a life that they're comfortable with, then you are disrupting that. And that disruption is uncomfortable and... People will fight and kill to maintain their way of being. And right. so that in general is the the risk. But the long-term rewards for fighting for it assure a better world for the people that come after you. You know, it's, uh, it's the quote from the movie, uh, which is like, what is it? It's, there will be justice, though heaven will fall. It's this idea that living in your bliss on the back of injustice is an unsustainable model. And you have to tear down those comforts in order to build something better. In order for a just world to exist, people who are sitting, sitting comfortable in that, in that world, in that heaven, have to fall down to earth and understand what it's like there. Yes. I'm not saying that that's the definitive interpretation of that quote but like that's what it is baby there's a lot of work that needs to be done and people need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable with where they are and where we are as a society so if you take nothing else from anything i've ever said it should be that and i also think if the story of uh john kennedy's assassination especially as presented in Oliver Stone's movie, I think teaches us anything. I, I I do think, yes, one, your point, which is very well put, but more broadly, even the importance of making sure you question the hell out of absolutely everything. Um, something that I think is really interesting about the sort of uh, conspiracy culture that cropped up around the assassination is that you get these people who, who may in fact be onto something, but the idea that there is, you know, for example, like, let's go with the theory that there's essentially like a rogue nation, <laughs> Mission Impossible 5, um, that has the power to to wipe out the president sort of uh, extrajudicially and not only not be brought to justice, but they're, they are so well connected and they've thought this through to such an extent that we are powerless to do anything about it. They are so, whoever, whoever they, big finger quotes, they are so 
whatever that they can do that. They have all of this power and they are able to remain in the shadows, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I do think there's truth to it. It also sounds crazy. If you aren't really steeped in the information, it sounds crazy, especially when you have um, a media that stop me if this if this sounds completely unfamiliar to you you have a media that is married uh, uh, aggressively passionately committed to this idea that no 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 the system works system's fine system's totally fine it's 100% good system system yeah meanwhile uh, as a byproduct of that you have people who come in and try to say no like this is actually all fucked and here's how they start to get pushed off to the fringes and regarded as crazies so like that conspiracy culture uh, in a way sort of undermined itself. It reminds me of a lot of conversations that that I find myself having today, which is to say everything that's going on in this country right now, and we don't need to get into it because that's for that's for a whole other show, but everything that's going on in this country right now, if you actually pick apart how we got here, who is doing what and why, it sounds crazy. It sounds like you are a uh, tinfoil hat, conspiratorially minded, uh, completely out of your mind. You're, you're fringe crazy. The system works. The system will right itself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that's just not the case. And I think you'd, we don't arrive at a place where we can get to the paradigm, Tari, that you were describing, where we may have to essentially tear down to rebuild uh, you can't get there if you don't see clearly what needs to be torn down and what needs to be built. And I don't think you get there without questioning the hell out of everything. Now, flip side to that coin is that there are people who decide to do that and then fall down like the QAnon well. That's not what I'm talking about. It's also really important to vet the hell out of your information and look at who your sources are and what their track records are. But I do think we all need to pay attention because, again, like one of the blissful realities of conspiracy theories is that it really does absolve us of personal responsibility. And I think now more than ever, we cannot afford to shirk that responsibility. We cannot afford to look the other way. We cannot afford to put our heads in the sand. I mean, come on, like if they, big finger quotes, they, if they can kill a president because people weren't really paying attention, well, what what can they do to the rest of us? What else can they get away with, et cetera? So pay attention, question things, but also make sure you're informed and make sure that you are involved and make sure that you take that responsibility because just like the assassination of John Kennedy was a massive turning point in the history of our nation and by extension the world, pretty sure folks that we're living through one of those right now and we don't, we really, trust me, really don't want to get 10, 20 years down the road and look back and go, shit, I wish I had paid more attention and I wish I had gotten more involved. I wish that I had not abdicated that personal responsibility. And that's, I think, maybe my greatest hope for this country right now is that we all watch Oliver Stone's JFK and we all take this away from it, that we need to pay attention and we need to be involved and we need to take that responsibility. Because if we all do that together, we can overcome just about anything. I truly believe that. Um, that is what I would like to see happen. And now I will uh, slide my my soapbox back into the bed. <laughs> well, I think that's a good place for us to wrap. So Lex Michael, you know what? If you didn't like what we were saying and you want to send us swear words, <laughs> you can send it to my personal address, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Northwest, Washington, D.C., <laughs> 20500 send me swear words tell me you don't like me tell me you would you don't want me to be president tell me that um <laughs> once you do those things if you want you can also s spit on the paper when you send it to me but like you have to call me by my birth name which is uh don j trump <laughs> <laughs> that's my birth name and send all your spit to me anyway <laughs> lex <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Lex, where can people find you? I am on Twitter and Instagram at the Lex Michael, and I also do another podcast uh, with my partner Marianne Ramish. It's called Friends with Benefits, where we look at the massive pop culture juggernaut that is the television series Friends. And we go episode by episode, uh, picking it apart from a fan perspective and a critical perspective. Uh, as we illustrate on this particular program, uh, she is a fan of that show. I am not. 
And so it's a grand old time picking this thing to pieces. And we're going episode by episode through the entire series. And the series is quite long. But it's also on HBO Max now. So you can stream it. uh, Keep up with us and stuff. So check that out. uh, The Friends with Benefits podcast. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts. And Tari, where can people find you if they are so inclined? Uh, And they don't want to visit you at your home address. Ah, well, then they can find me on Twitter, which is at Tari J. That's T-A-U-R-I-J-A. Why? But most importantly, you can find this podcast at Missing Outcast. That's M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> That's where you can find the <laughs> podcast. And next week, we are going to be continuing and concluding our July <laughs> month with the disaster artist. We're going to be listening to the audiobook, um, or I don't know if you're going to be reading the book, Lex Michael. I don't know what your plan is, but I'm going to be listening to that sweet audiobook. Um, this was a recommendation from Cam Griffin at Pink Pink Bile on Twitter. Thank you so much for the recommendation. And I can't wait to talk about it. So that's what we're going to be covering next week. So make sure that you're keeping up with us on the Twitter to get all our cool discussions. And then we're going to be announcing the next month's theme. What do you think it is? What do you think it's going to be? August? Whoa, whoa, what could be cool about August? We'll let you know (laughs) next week. Until then... This has been the retrospective that is introspective. And now you have a new perspective. We got him!